Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello from abroad. T-shirt weather. Uzo, booze. Sunshine. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm recording this. Your ears today. I'm in Greece. I've pre-recorded it before I went, so it's probably pissing it down. Probably jinxed it by pretending that it's going to be lovely. Yeah, I pre-recorded this uh, podcast a little bit before because I've been away. But, you know, loads of things going on. Last week's podcast was amazing. Great response from the Hour of the Rosa Docs episode. Thanks again, guys. And yeah, the, the little trend continues. More listeners. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Every week we get a few more. And those people that join us like to delve into the archives as well. Uh, a few people went, went through the... Uh, when we spoke to the Rosa Docs re- recently. Gavin Monahan, a, 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 you know, a recording artist. Um, runs his uh, Magic Garden Studios. That episode got a lot, a big of it, bit hit, big hit. After listening to the Rosa Docs, Docs, that was good. The Blinders, that's been a big one this week. People delving into that, and the Lathams, of course. We had a good chat with the Rosa Docs who supported them recently. And this week's episode is with the beautiful James Holt. James Holt has got to be one of the most original, award-winning artists now. We'll talk through the award later. Well-deserved. It's just... I don't know. How would you explain James Holt? You don't have to. He's lovely. This conversation is probably one of the favorite, one of my favourite conversations I've had with an artist. It goes through a myriad of different experiences in music and growing up and... You know, he was... He opened up about being uh, medically deaf when he was a child and getting into music and... You know, his story around that was fascinating. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you listen to it. It's coming up, you know, I'm going to shut up soon. And you can hear him talk about his experiences of, you know, having the disability and learning to play the piano. Inspiring stuff. Yeah, so uh, th- this is a beautiful episode. and Thanks for tuning in again, guys. It's really appreciated. I want to keep the intro sweet, nice and sweet and short this week. Because we've got a beautiful conversation with James Holt. Hope you enjoy. Hi, mate. Hello. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You're you're very welcome, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm just very busy at the moment. Yes. There's a lot of going on. Um, All music related, all... 
yeah. all exciting and all, um, you know, fun and interesting. So yeah. it's good. It's good to be busy, as they say. Yes, isn't it? Especially after the last few couple of years or so, it's just is it, it is it is it a bit is it taking a bit of time to adjust to being busy again? Um, no, it's it it took me. It it was it was kind of weird how, because I, I sort of built it up in my head this whole like the whole past year. Yeah. And thinking, oh no, when I'm on when I'm on stage again, it, it it's going to be like Magical. you know I'll have to learn how to you know interact with an audience and mm. play live, um, because you know we've literally been out of practice. We've mm. not had chance to. We can practice in our rooms, but it's not the same, is no. it? No. Um. And and yeah, and I sort of built it up in my in my own head, and and I did my first. I think my first gig was like, it was at the Octagon mm. um, Theatre in Bolton, and it was just like, you know, nothing had ever, you know, <laughs> happened. It hadn't. It was like, yeah, I just just got back on stage, and it was fine. And um, yeah, to answer your question, it's been great to just just have it, kind of have gigs coming in and yeah. things happen, you know. Um, yeah, how about you? How have you found? Um, well, I, I was really busy before lockdown, and then lockdown just took it all away. Well, it didn't take it all away. The, the RGM just got busier and busier because everybody started doing things online, and you know, it just it, it, it worked out quite well, to be honest. But, but going back into the wide old world again and attending gigs all the time, it took a little bit of adjusting, only only in the way that. I, I, I think like you, I'd built it up in my head to be like, oh, it's going to be amazing to go out again. And it was a little bit of an anticlimax, just being back in the in the world again. It was just, it, it, it was almost as if everybody just clicked straight back into it again. Um, and for for me and the people around me, really, it's it, it's it, it's been fun. Um, but I, I, it has taken a little bit to adjust, just in the way that I was expecting it to be a little bit more livelier out there, if you get me. Yeah, I think that was well. I think it was part of, because it was like a sort of staggered, yeah, uh, comeback. It was because like the gig that I mentioned at the Octagon mm. that was for Right Right to Rome Festival, and that was I think just before the July, um, like yeah. reopening. So it was it was everything was sort of everyone was sort of sat in different places and um, and it and like everyone was spread out, so it didn't. Yeah, it's not. Well, I suppose we got little tastes of the real life throughout it all, didn't we? So we got little samples of it. Then it got taken away again. Then you get another go going out. Then it got text. So it's been taken away again. But the, the music industry, everything went for the whole uh, period of it all, didn't it? There were no gig, definitely no gigs inside and in the smaller venues like there are now. Um, so I suppose that like, so even, the music industry is taking a bit to yeah. Even like even like the social distancing gigs. Mm. Like everybody, everybody knew they wouldn't. It wasn't sustainable to do it because you yeah. know they couldn't make enough money. They need they yeah. made the money on selling the selling tickets, and even the venues mm. couldn't make couldn't make the money. So it was more of a case of. I mean, in a way, in a way, it was good because, like, the people putting on the gigs, um, the social distancing events, were doing it just for like, you know the passion mm. of you know putting gigs on mm. and and like they weren't they weren't trying to you know make make money by selling tickets they want they knew that people 
with dying to go out and play games yeah. so they were trying to fulfill that um yeah it's a it's a strange like i i thought to be honest i thought that there would have been a bit of a a shift um in the music industry because it's like it's heavily he- heavily reliant on live music and mm. you know putting on like performances to sort of generate the uh like industry economy you know that's where people that's where bands earn the money by going on tour and selling um tickets mm. and you know if something like this if something like like the the pandemic happens where we we literally can't do any gigs then all of that money supply stops mm. and there's no way um for like bands to earn money and I thought it would it would sort of try and I don't know like just like people would try and invent new ways of mm. earning money and, and a new thing would come out of it in some ways it has but in other ways it's not and it, and it's like you said sort of reverted back to how we were yeah. and I didn't really fully you know like like if we're talking about sort of the golden era where like bands would sell like loads of records yeah. Um, if if the pandemic happened, then they could still you know make albums and just release them, and then mm. um, like and still you know make make a lot of money yeah. without having to tour. But because everybody like I said, you know, stop. They, like we can't do any gigs. Then the whole you know deck house of cards sort yeah. of collapsed. As it were. Well, definitely. I think there was there was a was there something something ridiculous like. Um, like I can't—I don't know the actual percentage, so I don't really want to say. Yeah. But it was like a, a quite a high percentage of of um, jobs or people in the jobs in the music industry have just completely stopped and moved moved to another, yeah. you know, sector. Um, I think it was like something like it's it's like it's like thirty percent or something. Yeah, have completely like either the jobs have gone i.e. like promoters or whatever venues mm. sound engineers like all all the sort of crew you know, type roles yeah yeah or artists um, mm. either that has gone or people have just decided you know to find other jobs and move elsewhere and not not come back and I know I know tons, tons of people mm. like that I know tons of I've got tons of friends who have who were musicians who were either, you know, making their own music or playing in other people's bands and making money that way, like on cruise ships or whatever. Mm. And they've had to find other sources of income and, and they found it more sustainable. Um, and Just more, like general uh, 95 jobs type thing, yeah, where they're, just, yeah, they're, yeah. they're used to having a, a steady income in, again, instead of being in yeah. the wide old world of music where nothing's certain, you don't know where your next paycheck's going to come from unless you... But. And and because they've had a taste of that over the past mm. year, they're like, "Oh, this is, you know, I'm not as stressed as yeah. <laughs> as I was before." Um, and yeah, and like I said, a lot, I know a lot of people who've, you know, since mm. like, moved moved on and moved away, and, and that, you know, yeah, it's uh, 
It's a strange one. Well, that, that part of this podcast is sharing experiences, and it's called the Argem Experience because we want to talk about grassroots music and in the industry. So we'll, we'll come to that. We'll park that for now, I think, James. But I just want to talk <laughs> about it, and uh, let's not forget you're an award winner now as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. We'll come to that um, in a minute as well. We'll tease with that, and you, and you're going to be doing a song for us uh, uh, at the end of the podcast as well. So I just want to rewind a little bit, James, and for anybody that's not aware of who you are and what you do. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your, and your history. So I am a musician from Bolton, Bolton. which is in Greater Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been writing songs since probably since I was probably about 18, 19. And like, that was kind of when I first started writing songs. And then mm-hmm. I kind of progressively um, started to do it even like more and more. And yeah, I started playing the piano when I was five, guitar when I was nine, cello when I was 11. Why did he pick keyboard first? Uh, I, well, I, it was, it was, fun. well, so the, so it was my, my, my grandparents or my parents had an old, old oh, piano in the house. Oh, okay. And when I was a kid, I used to try and, you know, play it like, yeah. like reach up and try and play the keys. Um, but I was talking to someone about this recently, like, cause I was, uh, I was born deaf right. and I was diagnosed, um, like deaf when I was four. Okay. Or four yeah. or five. And, and like up to that point, up to that, up to the point that I was diagnosed, I hadn't worn like hearing aids or anything. So yeah. I, I kind of got by, by, you know, copying what other people did. And, um, like I could, I could hear, but like, I can like, when I take my hearing aids out, I can hear, but only like a really tiny mm. amount. Yeah. And I was kind of re- really reliant on lip reading and I still kind of do that as well. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've kind of thought about like someone, someone had mentioned this to me where when I, I was diagnosed and was given my hearing aids for the first time. And that was the first time I could like really hear the sort of wider world and yeah. lots of different, you know, lots of different sounds that I hadn't heard before. And then it was like around that time that I'd first started becoming quite engaged and fascinated with mm. this big wooden box that was in my, <laughs> uh, my, my parents, uh, my house. And, and yeah. And, and I think part of it, it's funny because part of it's, it, to me, it feels like, you know, because it, it's like my my disability, but it it's part of me. But it's also led led to the thing that's you know kind of that I'm most sort of passionate about in mm. my life, and um, and it's that's all. It's only like a recent thing that I've sort of realised, and it's it's quite it's quite nice um, that I've got that connection with it. Yeah, because I know a lot of people. Like I struggled a lot when when I was growing up because um, I was, you know, different to people mm. like um, when I was like in school and, you know, it, it, when you're in school, that's like the worst, the worst possible thing mm. to be different because, yeah. you know, everybody sort of either picks you out or like, you know, treats you differently. And I always wanted to be the same, same as mm. everybody else. And then when you kind of grow up, you realize that everybody's different every anyway. Yeah, everybody's. It's better you know, to be different when you when you yeah, when you yeah. get when you get your head around it and you 
Um, and it's not as, you know, school's really important at the time, but when you get a little bit older and you can reflect on it a bit, the the more interesting people are the the weirdos mm. in the world. And I, yeah, and, and I, I like embracing those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I consider yeah. myself to be one. So I think, yeah. I think it's allowed to say. Yeah, it's not just like even like the sort of more eccentric people. Yeah. I think everybody anyway is, is different and, you know, everybody's got their own like, you know, understanding of the world. Mm. And I think, I think you know, because you're young, you just have this, you have a sort of narrow viewpoint and the older you get, the more experience you have the more you realise that, you know, there's lots of different things that it, it can interest mm. you and feel passionate about. And yeah, it's just been, it's just been a nice sort of like realisation sort of like full circle of um, kind of understanding that part about me, like, you know, mm. why, why I enjoy music so much. Mm. And like, I think as well, like last, last year, like I think a lot of people had felt felt this in, in a similar way as like especially musicians and um you know like actors and you know creative people who perform is that you know the like I felt that through the lack of performance it, it had a direct impact on like my like mental well being. Mm. And I found that like like I hadn't I hadn't really made that connection before because I was always I was always, you know, making music. I was always well, busy, as mm. it were, and just just doing. And I hadn't really realized how sort of crucial uh, music was, you know, to my to my life yeah. and, like I said, my mental well being. And and that that was like a kind of another point of realization of kind of through just through the, like the lockdown yeah. was that um, you know that like something that I can easily. Like if I know, I know now. Like if I'm, if I feel a bit, you know, if I feel a bit down, if I have a bad day or whatever, yeah, I can always, you know, just pick up a guitar, play a song, and yeah. and I know it, it will, you know, help in some mm. way, and it, in in you know, in, in many ways, it helps other people as well. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's just a a wonderful thing. Yeah. So how when did you realize so young James looking up at this big box in the corner of the room um picks up a guitar a few years later when did you start to realize you had a you, you had a talent for picking up new instruments and getting good at them quickly Um I think it was it was probably like early high school age hmm. and I think just that kind of the kind of process that like you sort of explained just like I played the piano and then I played the guitar and then the cello Mm. Um, and it and it and it was I don't know it's like it's it it sort of to me it just sort of felt felt natural like like even even just the cello learning, though, learning. the cello yeah that, but the the, the, the thing that even haunts that, me about a cello is is the size of the fucking thing and yeah. having, and having to <laughs> if you are going to take on the cello then you're going to need a big space to keep it and. Uh, a van to get to a gig. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it intimidated me too much. Though. I mean, I had like I had all the sort of, you know, you know what you've got, what have you got in there? Jokes yeah. when I was walking to school. <laughs> with um, and uh, yeah, and I think even even the even learning the cello, 
it was just a it was just a sort of random thing that happened mm. <laughs> like like i think I, I wanted to learn i think i wanted to learn i've always wanted to learn like a, a wind instrument like saxophone or clarinet or something yeah. like that and i went to like i went to lesson no i went to like a trial mm. for clarinet and they were like they were like oh you, you, your mouth's not the right shape <laughs> yes i've i've had an experience of that my my dad used to play the cornet in Woodhouse Prize Band in Sheffield and I always liked the look of that instrument because it's quite a cool instrument to cornet like a little trumpet type thing yeah yeah yeah. and I borrowed his and I couldn't play it right and I learned uh, I I learned the brass instrument I got quite good um, but my lips weren't the right shape so I I moved on to a tenor horn which were a little bit bigger the the mouthpiece for it and I got quite good at the tenor horn when I were like uh, 13, 14, got trials for Sheffield City Band and that kind of stuff. And then I got all the same kind of stuff. When when you're walking into school and you're carrying a a music instrument and it's shaped like one and you get all the kids who think they're funny and that. And I kind of of fell out with it because it it wasn't, in in my uh, world, it wasn't like a cool instrument. So when I I turned like 15, 16, I got into the guitar and then that were it then. As soon as I found the guitar, that were just like me done. And I kind of left the... The, the the brass uh, playing, uh, I just kind of parked it. And it's one of my biggest regrets not parking it and never going back to it because I wouldn't be able to play it now if you get me. So that, so that for, for me, that's, you know, just a little memory of having a weird-shaped mouth and couldn't quite <laughs> play the instrument that I wanted to play too. Yeah. You should try learning again. I should, I should, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah like, I, it was, that's kind of a similar thing, like, if you do something different, like if you play mm. a brass instrument, you know, you'll kind of get like picked out. But like if you, if like now it's like, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, what was it? So, it's weird. So, so, so you, so you can't play clarinet because you've got a weird shaped mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, I was like, oh, right. Okay. Well, that's, that's it's the reed. Then. It's the but reed in it. A reedy it, thing. It, yeah. it's a, there's a technique yeah. to a reed and you've got to have a, a certain shaped mouth they don't teach you that in school do you like, yeah, I think they don't some like of it, some, some of it was bollocks though <laughs> yes. I think some, of it, some of it was like I think part of it was like oh you've got um, you've, you've, you already play guitar and piano give someone else a go yeah okay. and that's, uh, that's fair enough <laughs> but like most of the people who, who would like picked up they'd never carried on after mm. like a few months anyway you know what I mean <laughs> um, so they said so I think I think it might, my mum might have said said to him, like I should say, like my parents have been like very supportive anyway. Yeah. Of, you know, so that's that's been like a massive help. But my mum, I think my mum said to him, "Oh, you know, he wants to learn an instrument." Mm. <laughs> and, the, and I said, "Well, well, no one's no one's picked cello. We've got some cello right. lessons for you." Ah, uh, okay. He's like, "What's a cello?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that's 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 kind of how like I didn't really pick it like someone else. It was just sort of available. Oh, I thought you were uh, going to say something inspirational like the cello picked me or something like that. Then yeah. I was just waiting for that. <laughs> no, yeah, it was it was more the case of like uh, mm. the cello teacher had some space. Yes, or okay. no one, or someone wanted to play cello and then then decided they didn't want to play cello anymore and. Then, then there was a, you know, it's 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 yeah. funny how like, you know, the trajectory of your life can just change on, on yeah. a small little, yeah, little you know coincidence. 
Did you did you um, did you write creatively as a, as a kid? Because you are, I know you. Well, I, I I just think you're you're a great storyteller with you. Because when I've seen you live and you perform, the last time I saw you we were in we were in the middle of the woods, somewhere in Levenshoe oh, somewhere yeah, that, yeah. that thing, and yet you were playing down there at the Coldwater Swimmers uh, like album launch type thing that we did in the woods. That were cool now. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've seen you play before, and you and you and you're a storyteller as well as you, you like to tell the story of a song before you before you play one. And did did you write creatively as a kid? Is that something that you know you were you worked on, or does that come naturally as well? I think it was like in terms of music writing, like I'd like I think previous previous to writing songs, I'd, I'd always written. Um, instrumental pieces like I, I would mm. write like classical or jazz piano pieces and mm. stuff for like orchestra and things like that and what I wanted to do kind of when I was maybe about 16 I wanted to be like a film film composer or mm. you know write write things for film and TV and that was like my ambition in, in a way it's still it's still there yeah. and I think it's something that I probably will do later on mm. Um, but it was it was kind of the music of the Beatles that introduced me. Like I kind of got mm. like obsessed with them, mm. like me too. <laughs> like dangerously me too. obsessed with them. <laughs> oh, okay, and then, and then um, then became and then then so, like I kind of wanted to be a Beatle. Like I'd get yeah. upset that I was like I'm you know I'll why am I not be a Beatle? Beatle. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and like and it sort of changed the whole way. It changed the way like I. I'd, I'd grew my hair out, yeah. you know. I'd, I'd try and talk like them, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, do like loads of embarrassing stuff, <laughs> and um, and and also it, like my music sort of started as I, I started to play their songs and started to think, oh, how would how mm. would I write a song like theirs, you know? Yeah. And that's where that's where it came in, and so, but like I. Like previous to that, I hadn't really written any songs or stories. I'd always tried to tell the story mm. with the music, and that is a way. That is kind of a crucial way I, I, that I write music mm. now. Is is that I write all the music first, and then think about how the music tells the story itself mm. um, before adding any words to it. I'm thinking, you know, which what kind of what you know thinking what what story is the music telling you mm. know what i mean what what is it what is it saying just on its own yeah and then how can i you know add on that with words and that's that's kind of the process that's that i've used and it's worked i think yeah there's, there's an element of humor in there as well yeah yeah i mean it's like you know I'm just a funny guy, right? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I always, I always like. I'm a, it's funny because I'd never been, never been that into the Smiths until maybe like a few years ago. Yeah. But I've always written like Morrissey type sort of kitchen sink drama songs. Yeah. Um. That. That have that kind of see the humor in in life and mm. you know kind of funny like not whimsical but quite lightheartedness mm. you know what i mean and even in even in something that's that's quite um you know like sad sometimes like heartbreak or whatever yeah. i can find 
there's like always moments of like um humor or mm. you know um or a lighter side to it that you, that I can add yeah i mean I've, it's funny that I, like i'd always been like i'd always been good at english but not not like cuz you know how to separate english with like english literature and language. english language yeah and I'd, like it's weird cuz i remember once when i was doing like gcse um english literature and and like and i'd just i'd really like i wouldn't i wouldn't know what you know metaphors are mm. or similes i wouldn't know the names of them but i'd use them like all the time in my writing mm. I'd, it would it would just be something that would be so so easy like just i don't know it's had like so easy and natural that um that i could just easily easily do it and i'd like i'd always like you know write little like not sort of poems but sort of raps mm. as well and i'd write sort of humorous raps for my uh like like for friends and then like read them out in class yeah and and like and i don't know i don't really know where that where that came from and it's... it was only it was funny kind of because only till like relatively recently this was like way before i'd started mm. writing songs and it was only till late later on that i sort of combined these two elements um yeah it's just it's just one of them like and i never i never really enjoyed reading either <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like i keep, usually, buying, I like, keep like, buying books and i can't I, I, I just i don't have time and i don't have the inclination to read books ever I'm an audiobook guy. I'm, I'm glad, thank God for audiobooks because I can, I can do that on the move while I'm doing stuff and take stuff yeah. in. Um, but I yeah, like, physically I like reading. Yeah. I do like audiobooks. Then I do enjoy reading now. But like yeah, back, okay. well, when I was younger, it was so, it was so difficult. And like, and it's funny because I was talking to someone, um, last year about because do you know how like, everybody has like an inner monologue. Well, like do you know like how you can have like an inner monologue in your mind? Of, of like just, of anything, just, of, when just you, everything that's like, going on around you. You've got yeah, like you, you, like like you just have thoughts and and they yeah, might okay. appear. Yeah, yeah. And and you just you know, but some people don't actually have that in a monologue. Some people don't actually have a voice that's in their mind that they can hear. Some people it, it could just be like pictures or it just be nothing. Not, not I, can't, I can't. I I I I know what you're saying. I can't imagine somebody having nothing there though. How can somebody have not in like so like uh, an example of you just what like I don't know I I used to be so vivid when I was doing my paper round as a kid and I used uh-huh. to I used to think I were a bit psychic and I used to go around and like saying someone's going to move over there and see if it did just just my imagination going <laughs> wild and that kind of stuff do you mean yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. inner monologue you know thinking of stuff yeah, while you're yeah. going like you're doing your mundane stuff and you've just got these other things going on in your mind just looking around and yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine imagining think, a different time yeah. but there are people who who don't have who don't have that inner monologue and like and also on the other side of it so like, what do they just do? So they just like, literally walk around, nothing going on. In fact, no, I can, no, in no, fact, no, I can, no, I can no, picture no, a few of people around here like that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think some of it is more like um, it could be just like a general feeling. 
It might not okay. be in words, or it could be like a picture or a yeah. color or you know something like something like that. And of like and and on the flip side of that, I know people who like when they read books, right? Um, like when I say when I read a book, I'll I'll kind of read it in my mind. Mm. You know, I'll I'll read a sent the sentence that's on the page in my mind. And I'll, I'll kind of like I make up make up like a um, a voice for the narrator and a mm. voice for each of the different characters. But some people don't don't do that at all. They'll just they'll just when read I read, it. I do I do imagine imagine what things look like and where where it's set and things. Mm. So I suppose it's different for me when I'm reading. I picture things, but when I'm mm. when I'm just normal, then I don't. I just I've got I this know, in a, it's people, the opposite. I know people who like because, like for me, it takes. I'll have to read like a few pages before I can sort of <laughs> like have the world around me. But I know yeah. people who just open a page, start reading the first line, mm. and and they'll be instantly in that, like in that yeah. sort of zone. You know what I mean? And if if I had that sort of, if I had that that similar sort of way of reading, I'd I'd probably enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Just find, I just find it quite. I do enjoy it, but it it, it does take a, a bit of work. Yes, like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't read like on a train or I'd have yeah. to like be in a quiet room, um, yeah. you know, because like there's so much so many things. And if if I'll be reading a page and and I hear a noise or someone walks past me or something, it's gone. Then I'll look up and I'll and it, yeah, and I'll have to sort of work my way back into it. <laughs> well, one of the first times I think I saw you in real life as you've progressed through your music career, when I moved to Manchester a few years ago, I saw you at a conference off the record in Manchester. And we're always talking about what's the best thing for an artist to do to get the name out there and to meet people and to get and to open up opportunities. And I've always seen you, you know, at these type of events, networking um, and just getting your name out there. How, how important has that been for the growth of you? Yeah, it's it's like it's all just it's part of the process of learning mm. and of one one how to how the industry works and you know like like say say like like I've I've been into um kind of classes and and I've done master classes as, mm. like for songwriting and when like I usually do like a Q and A at the end. And like all the questions aren't about like oh how did you write this or what did you do this. It was always like oh how how did you get this song on the radio or right. um, you know you know thing you know things things like that and and it, it you know like I think I think we you know like it's it's kind of easy when when you've sort of been around the industry it's kind of easy to sort of say oh yeah that's that's this and and mm. you can sort of predict you know what bands do well and you know what yeah. bands will do well and you know whatever um but like when you're just starting out it's like all completely new it's mm. all um and as, as know, a soloist as well you're on your own i suppose mm, yeah. as well so you've got to kind of you've got to learn it yourself because you can't rely on other lad in band that knows a few people that can, you know, get you in touch with somebody else and you're on your own, aren't you? You're there um, fighting your own cause. What I find, what I find, like, well, I've been finding more and more, like, um, the, 
that like you kind of your reputation does precede you a lot mm. more than like I possibly like I probably didn't I mean it might have it might have just been the case that I've been doing it for a while mm. but like I found that it's sort of it's sort of been coming back to me more like like I'll be chatting to like um do you know like uh, BC Camplight mm. or I went well the other the other the other week I went to went to a gig I went watching a band called Flight in Manchester yeah. and and I chatted to them like a few times kind of just you know just online you know like when you, you just yeah. like reply to you know a comment or something mm. but like they were like oh we listen we listen to your stuff all the time it's like it's really great mm. and I was like oh that's interesting and it and it's funny because like the way the way that music works and arts get shared around people people like sort of even if they don't fully pay attention they can always absorb mm. it and it always gets i always get said like like with this award like so many people mm. have said oh well done well done with the award just like it's to see me sort of in passing all the yeah you know um and it does it does i think that that way of because because there's a there's another way around it where you just got sort of getting in, into everybody's faces right yeah and you just you just kind of say I'm this, this is what I do you know listen mm. listen listen and and it, that'll work to an extent but it'll never be as powerful as just an a natural mm. you know oh I, I stumbled across your music yeah and it's really great and or I saw that you did this video or something you know what mm. I mean and like I remember a couple of years ago I did I did like um I did like an Elton John cover yes amazing and like yeah multiple different versions of mm. me and i like when it when you know I didn't, I didn't i didn't really think of much when i did it it was more of an experiment and i just sort of put it out and like for like a couple of weeks after that people you know random people would say oh you're that you're that guy yeah <laughs> you know what i mean we we shared it um, on the friends or rgm facebook group yeah. this is like, like a private group that you know people of rgm talk about and it just went loads of comments on it everybody loved it people connected with that and, yeah. I, and I think it was, you know, it visually, visually it was unique because um, it's you playing four different instruments in one room, um, and you filmed it, filmed it cleverly, didn't you? So it, so you like disappear from one instrument, then you, then you appear, then you're playing the other instrument. Visually, it was, you know, refreshing and different, uh, and musically amazing. So people really got in, on board with it and, and engaged with that. Um, is, is that like, yeah, and I think yeah. that that pro the process of. Like I think there's a quote. Uh, there's a quote by uh, I think it's like Samuel L. Jackson or something. Yeah. And it says like, and I think he's been asked, you know, in a similar way, like how how does a young actor start out and does he mm. need to network with loads of people? And he just says, you know, concentrate on on the craft of mm. of your art and just try and every time try and put out something that's, mm. um, you know. <laughs> like true to yourself um yeah. and something that's you know something that you're you can be you know proud of proud mm. proud that put, you, you're putting out there and he said that eventually it will it will come back and people will you know if, it, mm. if, it's, if it's good then people will re- recognize it and yeah you know, share it and that's that's i think the best way of you know getting a Getting a, a lasting impact on mm. somebody, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you mentioned it there, then let's have a look at it. Let's have a look at the award. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, I haven't got my name on it yet. But okay, wow. It's made out of glass. You can't really, you can't really <laughs> it's got my reflection on it. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah so talk, talk, us through, talk us through, you know, this amazing um, award that you've got. Yeah, so this this was awarded on on it. It says uh, Liverpool International Song Contest, uh, 2021 winner, um, and it was it was well. I think it, like the official title is like the it was the International Song of Kindness. So mm. the they kind of put out like last year they put out um, like an advert asking people to submit songs that that represent you know to them what kindness mm. means and it was all it was kind of connected um to john lennon and obviously like imagine because mm. we've got the the 50th anniversary um and and i think the idea was to try and find an anthem of of kindness sort of similar to imagine mm. in the in the same sort of ideas and and yeah, and like I think there's something like fifteen, fifteen hundred people applied. They whittled it down to like ten finalists. <laughs> I was one mm-hmm. of the finalists. I went along. We did the the finals at the Cavern Club in Liverpool mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago, and and yeah, I won it. I was very, very shocked. <laughs> how how um, was little you know the memories of you know over obsessive on the Beatles and playing the Cavern. You know that this link with John Lennon. How did that all like sink in? I mean, it was. I think. I think that probably helped a lot anyway. Because my my music, mm. like the song that I submitted, was it was. It's called "Make My Day." I'll, I'll mm. play it later. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was um, like it's very much of that sort of Beatles school mm. of songwriting, mm. and I think that's because this is like the first first year that they've, they've done this um competition i think they wanted something that that kind of had that connection with the Beatles. Mm. um so i think that helped me a lot and did you write the yeah, song was, did you write the song for it or was it a, a song that you already had no it was a song well i'd written it last year and i'd actually written it kind of <clears throat> like the songs about receiving visitors when you're in hospital mm. And, um, and like kind of what sort of, you know, sort of inspired my imagination behind it was, um, kind of the fact that obviously last year, a lot of, um, a lot of people were in hospital ill, Mm. um, and they, they weren't allowed to have, Mm. have visitors. And obviously like, like sometimes their last, the last moments of their lives, um, were like, were like on their own in a mm. ICU, and and like you know we we'd hear stories of um, patient I mean doctors and, and nurses um, taking taking that role upon themselves to be the sort of bedside um, what's the word like a bedside um, companion friend uh, yeah you don't know. and like yeah bedside companion. Mm. And I, I kind of, I sort of was inspired, inspired by this, and I, I wrote a song about about it, and more well more about how 
how it how it would feel if I were um you know a patient lying there mm. and someone was someone was comforting me and like i think I think that's a universal thing anyway everybody's mm. had an experience where either they've had a stay in hospital or they've visited like a relative in hospital and and it's um yeah it's, it's it was just it was just that more sort of feeling of like joy and um happiness of receiving a visitor like that when you're when you're kind of ill um that i decided to write a song about and then when this when they announced this competition i i kind of thought about songs i had already and i, I think i probably tried attempted probably attempted to write a song and kind of just mm. just inspired by it but then then i kind of realized where like the song that i had and where it came from and and the idea behind it, and that it that to me it kind of symbolised that um, act of kindness that yeah. um, the doctors and nurses, you know, had given to their patients um, in being there. And yeah, and, and that's I think I, I like you said I, I sort of I mentioned that when when I um, before I played the song, and. You know, and uh, like, and someone, like, I was struggling to find a word <laughs> for it. I was like, you know, and they and they feel, and I sort of stood there and I was like, mm, what, what's the word? And someone said gratitude, mm. and and that, you know, it that makes that's yeah. it. You know, you feel gratitude yeah. for for the for those who come and you know help support, and you know, and the judges, I think, connected with that. Mm. The i like the idea behind it, and I think there was a a woman like because I was I was playing I was playing and I had my friend Molly who was singing with me, and a woman came to speak to her, and she said it was it was it was so sad. It was like she said that her father had died. I can't remember. It was either the week before or the the day before or something like this. But because she was involved in the competition, she had to come and. Or well, she felt like she needed to yeah. come and and what and and she said it it just connected with her like the song um that she she told Molly this for like her to you know tell me and it was yeah it was it's just it's just one of them things and you know it, it like it it happens the most when like I'll write I'll write a song kind of just from my from my experience mm. how it how I how I feel about it and. You know, people. There's always going to be someone who's had a similar sort of experience and who, who connects with it, or even even just like they'll they'll find their own sort of meaning from it, and and it will kind of touch them in in a different way. And yeah, that's the that's the beauty of music, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing how a chord can strike somebody on its own, even without lyrics oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. It's just. Powerful things, mate. Really appreciate you uh, sharing that story, mate. So uh... yeah, this is what I was, I was meaning, like, like when I was saying about music sort of tells a story on its own, mm. like, um, because the word words some sometimes can be too literal. Mm. They can be, you know, too on their nose, and and for something for like sort of something that is, that is as vague and abstract as emotions and feelings mm. and, and there's lots of different things going on like sometimes it's it's you know up to the sort of most abstract art form of all which is music yeah. um 
to like fully ex- express it. Um, and like you said, it it could just be a chord that just sounds like it, or you know, a Johnny Marr kind of little twill on the yeah. guitar, and and it it just it just sort of takes you to that to that emotion immediately. Yeah, and yeah. Well said, mate. Well said, mate. So on that note, shall we play, <laughs> shall we play a song? I shall. I shall. Yeah. Now we've got we've got options. I can okay. And we got my piano from playing the piano. You can, oh, you, can whatever play. way you want to go with it, mate. Whatever way you're comfortable with, whatever's best for you. Uh, I don't know. Are we going <laughs> to edit this? Are we going to edit this? No, so it's I all can... live, mate. All live. Oh, right. Okay. I think probably, <laughs> probably best with the guitar then. Go on. Uh, okay. Okay. This is uh, this is a song called "Make My Day," um, which was the winner of the. Liverpool International Song for Kindness. As I lay on the wall, I've never felt that safe and reassured. When I see you standing by my side What a way, what a fine way to make my day It's wonderful to hear you say Nowhere else that you'd rather be I don't mind, you can go There's a world outside your window But I'm glad you'd Thanks, mate. Really appreciate your time today. We'll be following your following your career and sharing the joy of your music, James. Really appreciate your time today, and thanks for joining us on the podcast, mate. Thank you. Yeah, that was James Hall. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Give us feedback. Join us on the RGM Twitter page at RGM Pod. Thanks again for the sponsor. 
Scots menswear, you beautiful people. Got some lovely new clothes for the for the beach from Scots. Nice bit of pretty green. Nice new trainers. Some good, good, some great kit. Yeah, next week's going to be a really good special. We're going to bring you all the highlights from Macclesfield in Oktoberfest. So it's going to be a bit different next week. Loads of different people are going to be mixed into one nice big thing next week. I don't know how it looks yet. I've not recorded it yet. I've not been. But I'm very much looking forward to it. and I'm sure it's going to be great. So stick around, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You can uh, watch the video version of the podcast as well with me and James. Premieres at six o'clock on the RGM YouTube channel. Yeah, guys, I can't say how, how much I appreciate you tuning in. It means the world. Spread it around. You know, if you did enjoy the show, just tell a friend about it. Pop a link in the lads' WhatsApp group. Or the lasses' WhatsApp group. Put it wherever you like. Spread the word. It's very much appreciated. We love doing these things. The series will be running right up to the end of the year. So loads of new guests come in and experiences to be had. So I've been Carl Maloney from the RGM Experience Podcast. Thanks for everybody joining us. And we'll see you next week, guys. Thank you. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scots Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scots has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.